Welcome into this Five Clubs conversation. I'm Emma Carpenter. I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. Today, I have a very exciting episode for you guys. I am sitting down with an absolute force to be reckoned with in the Cootie Twins. I'm talking about Pearson and Parker Cootie. These boys are an unbelievable duo, have been in the last several years in their collegiate and amateur career in the world of golf. They've now turned professional and have already had some professional success. So these two reigning national champion Longhorns, Texas Longhorns, were kind enough to sit down with me today. And I know that you guys are going to enjoy this lesson. And with that, I welcome in Pearson and Parker Cootie, the Cootie brothers. You guys, what's going on today? How are you doing? Doing good. No, everything's great. Watched the Mavs win last night, so that was positive. But no, everything's good. Pearson's not feeling too hot, so lucky for him. Yeah, I've, I've had some holiday uh, Christmas food poisoning, so getting out of that little uh, spell and hopefully start playing some golf soon. Oh no! Oh no! It's a bummer. I was just about to ask you guys how your Christmas went. I know it's such a weird. I've never had anything like that, especially on a holiday. But it's all good. It was a couple of days and feeling better now. Oh shoot! That's no fun. Gosh, I'm sorry. Well, and I mean, hey, I guess it was during when it was too too cold to even play golf. Yeah, that, that's the only kind of positive about it. Jeez, well, I'm sorry to hear about that. That's a big bum- bummer. It was, hey, it was fun meeting you guys last week via FaceTime. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my uh, my uncle called. I got to hear the story. I spent Christmas with my uncle and I got I didn't really hear the full story. Did he just like approach you guys and just start fangirling or how did that kind of go? <laughs> he, he was with uh, one of our friends. He's a member out here at Merido. Uh, Mike Stingle and they were sitting there and we were talking to uh, Mr. Stingle and he was, your uncle was there with him and came over and introduced himself and was like, Hey, I got my niece lover to death. I would love for y'all to be on her podcast. We're like, sure. Like, I mean, yeah, that sounds great. And then five, five minutes pass. And before you know it, like, he walks back over on, you're on FaceTime. And it's like, let's do this thing. We're like, all right, here we go. So, I mean, I mean, it was, it was, it was really fun. We had a good time with it for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, no, no, my uncle's the best. And um, that was a that was a pretty great FaceTime call. I got text message. He's like, I'm sitting with the Cootie brothers. Call me right now. I'm like, okay, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah, so that, that, that was totally funny. Glad, glad it worked out. But also pretty cool. You guys have now officially edged out any other school represented here on my podcast. Uh, another powerhouse school uh oklahoma state i had on eugenio chikara i had on alan bratton the head coach but now cole hammer was my very first guest so now you guys are two and three longhorns you guys are officially i've had i've had longhorns here the most on five clubs love hearing that it's last four years i guess what's that pearson we've been beating up on oklahoma state the last four years i guess (laughs) I mean, I mean, you guys, like I said, you guys are the most represented here. So <laughs> she's trying to be neutral right now. 
There, there's a reason there's a reason I was so excited to have you guys on here today. So for the five clubs viewers who don't quite understand, these twins I've got here with me today are a pretty unbelievably big deal in the world of golf. They're playing pro golf right now, both of them are, after a very successful career at UT at Texas. Before they went on to win some pretty big collegiate and amateur events, both of these guys right here. These boys were getting some big time college offers before they even got to high school. So I just really want to hear the story of, of how you guys first got started in the game of golf. Obviously, big story. You guys are a legacy with your, your grandfather and your dad. Also, your dad played for Texas. Your grandfather uh, was a master's champ, an eight-time PGA Tour winner. Um, your dad played on the PGA Tour a little bit. Corn Ferry as well played at Texas. Same thing. We're going to get into that a little bit. I know you guys have probably talked a ton about it, but I just want to hear the story of how you first really got going in the game of golf. Uh, I mean, just the basics of our dad teaching us, our granddad being there to support us. But as soon as we could walk, we had a club in our hand. Uh, and it just kind of progressed from there of going to U.S. kids tournaments. Uh, the local tournaments in Texas are the North Texas PGA section. And then... The step above that is the Legends Junior Tour. Uh, that kind of coexists with AJGA. That's how you get AJGA points, or I guess is what it's called. Uh, so the, all those kind of tours kind of align each other by age. And I guess just growing up in Texas, we have such a good system to get to the highest level that propels you to college golf. But just from the foundation of it, we just learned from our dad and granddad and like you said, we didn't really have to take much outside advice. That's awesome. How, how would you describe it, Parker? Just kind of like, was it an initial spark love for the game where you guys just, I mean, obviously you were, you were good right away, just super dominant junior golfers. What really was it that, that got you guys hooked? I think, I mean, I think we, when we got to about, it was weird. We had we, like a stage and we we're six to, eighth grade where we didn't play a ton of golf we we were busy playing football basketball baseball it's, it's just what all your friends are doing so that area was kind of I guess our dead period of golf but after that when we really came back that summer going to ninth grade playing a ton of golf and we had don't get me wrong we had been playing and practicing in between that but it was more distinct seasons but going into that ninth grade year was the year that really started playing a ton of golf and like a lot of golf full-time golf traveling for tournaments all that stuff and we both happened to do pretty well and I think that really hooked us and fortunate enough to get some college attention and then I mean from there you're like okay like, I could actually see myself really doing this and then the rest is kind of history it's been really fast-paced since then for sure when did you start having like just big time dreams when did you start seeing like uh or, or start wishing that you were one day going to achieve great success, like at, at the professional level, level or even college level. Would you say that it was kind of just that same that same summer when it started shifting away from other sports and more just golf focused? I would, I, yeah, I would say. Go ahead, person. You're good. Uh, I I was gonna say I I truly didn't. No. I say thinking it probably about soft junior freshman or sophomore of high school but like didn't truly believe it until uh we got to college maybe after freshman year for me and had some success in college uh 
and then seeing guys that were older go on to the PGA Tour and have success. Uh, but I feel like thinking it and actually believing it are completely different. Sure, sure. Would you say the same thing, Parker? Yeah, I would. I mean, I struggled a little bit my my first semester there, and or I, I said there at UT, and I knew it was a possibility because, like, don't get me wrong, a lot of kids or a lot of guys and girls go play college golf, and, and but we were able to be around like great professionals here at Merido, and then also at college, a lot of alum who were around there. I mean, from all the way from like Tom Kite to Scotty, guys who are just coming here and there, and uh, I. I was able to win my first college events my sophomore year. And I would definitely say that was the point. I was like, I can really do this. And I got to play in a tour event, see the competition stuff. And I was like, I I think I can really do this. So, oh, I mean, on a good track right now, but I definitely still believe it's very achievable. Oh, 100%. And we're, we're going to get into a lot more of, of your college career and professional career too. But it's funny that you that you mentioned the difference between starting to have those dreams and starting to believe it's possible because I feel like so many like maybe golf fans, recre- recreational golfers really don't understand just how hard it is. You know, you two even going to these, having committed to this big time school, you say you didn't even really believe that you were capable of achieving at the absolute highest level until it started really happening. It's just, it's so competitive. It's so crazy. And I mean, that's just shows goes to show how amazingly talented you both are, but you, you mentioned that you played some other sports growing up and obviously you guys started playing a lot of golf together. You had each other to kind of push each other. Just how competitive are you guys with each other, with, with everything that you've done? It, we're ridiculously competitive. I mean, it, it, every little thing we do, it's it's very healthy, like competition, if that makes sense. But yeah, we're really competitive. I mean, I don't know if you've heard the story about us fracturing our arms in a race, but yeah, like down to literally everything. It, it's and no matter what it is, if it's it could be a coin flip, and we're our two best. We always do best two out of three on a coin flip. Whoever wins that, I mean, it's just stupid stuff that just all the time that's funny Pearson would you say that uh, would you say that you definitely wouldn't be the golfer that you are without being pushed by by your brother I think yeah I think that's a very fair assessment that having him there uh, has made me better and I think me being there has made him a lot better and just I can just think of all the times that we're doing putting competitions and anything on the driving range or out on the golf course that it should have ended an hour ago, but the sun's going down and we just keep going because we just have to beat each other one more time. So uh, it's definitely made us both better players. I definitely, I love having, having some competition in, in practice too. Uh, I'm jealous. I wish I had a, I wish I had a twin that I could, <laughs> that I could rely on to practice with me. <laughs> Trust but... me, they're their downsides. <laughs> How so? Totally How's the downside? The downside? Yeah, it is it? never is never ending. Like the competition, that part. I mean, we played a ton of ping pong. Now we're into pickleball, and it's oh, oh my gosh! It, like, there's there's no relaxing game of pickleball with your friends or whatever. It's like once we start, we're going or we're playing Call of Duty with our friends too. It's like, it. it I wish I there probably should be a little more separation, but there's just not right now. So. 
Who's the first to challenge? It's a complete I, toss. Like, if there's anything to get beat on, it just happens. It's not really even a discussion. You know, like, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just fun to do this. I'll bet you this. Just so on and so on. Being competitive is is certainly important in being a being a high level athlete. So you guys obviously do a lot together. You compete against each other. Um, you you push each other. You gone through at this point every step of the way with, with each other. But so it's really interesting in what I've learned about about the recruiting process for you guys. Obviously, you were getting those big time offers as soon as before high school. And, you know, I know that actually how it happened was that your dad had you write, had both of you write on a sheet of paper where you wanted to go. Cause it didn't want you guys talking, just wanted to know flat out where each of you wanted to go to school, where you wanted to go to school. You both said that you wanted to play for Texas. And, you know, did you, did you, would you say that you guys wanted to play for the same school? Was it ever a thought that you would go on to play for different schools? What would you say, Pearson? I I very much thought we would end up playing at different schools for a while. Uh, I I think we both really liked Oklahoma State. Uh, maybe freshman year of high school, it seemed like the place to be. They had just landed some big recruits with Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf, and they had they had a few other guys on that team that had just graduated that were on the PJ tour and then a whole Ricky Fowler at, at his prime in that 2014. So Oklahoma state had this big persona that was just really attractive. And right as that was happening, uh, Texas started to build up a lot of steam and they had a lot of players that were committed from Texas. Uh, and then one of our, one of the guys that we lived with for four years, Will Thompson committed. And it, then all of a sudden it kind of became this toss up of like, I love the guys at Texas. I love the, I guess, persona, the atmosphere at Oklahoma State, but Texas is building that. And uh, it kind of became that I want to be a part of Texas because of what they're building and what they can create. And uh, I, I, I never regret my decision. How about you, Parker? How would you, how would you kind of describe that recruiting process? Yeah, I mean, I think – I mean, like, the, we were never a package deal. Everyone always asked us, like, we were a package deal, and we never really were. We both went – I mean, it, it just made sense to do our recruiting business together. That had been one week after another would have been kind of dumb on our part. But, no, it was it was really close between Oklahoma State and Texas. I mean, the practice facilities at Carson Creek are unbelievable, and the attention to detail, all those things that go into having those facilities on top. It is a good school. But, I mean, the history, Texas, the people that you're around and just being from Texas with our dad going to Texas as well, I've, like Pearson said, I don't doubt my decision for at any point, and I'm, I'm really happy the way and everything's gone. I mean, I'll, I, I, yeah, it really wouldn't change anything. It's hard to describe. You guys mentioned, you say it might have been between Oklahoma State, but you mentioned that. You ended up uh, beating them plenty over your career then there. But, uh, I mean, Parker, when you wrote down, when you wrote down Texas on that sheet of paper, did you, did you think that Pearson also wrote down Texas? I would not have been surprised either way. It was Oklahoma State or Texas. We were both so loved both. I mean, was it after our third visit, we took three visits to Oklahoma State. And after our third one, 
Coach Brian offered us whatever. And Pierce and I are both on the car right after, like, I'm ready to commit. Like, I can do it right now and whatever. My dad's like, well, we have one more visit with Texas. Let's go do it. And Coach Fields pulled out the red carpet for us and showed us everything, what what New York, Texas has to offer. And you're like, wow, this is this is next level on top of Coach Fields and all the history. So, I mean, tell you, yeah, I was – I would not have been surprised either way. I mean, I'm very happy now after everything's happened that we went to school together, but I was well prepared to go to separate schools as well. That's crazy hearing that you guys both felt like you were ready to, to commit to OSU and then ending, ending up seeing Texas and what, what coach fields had to offer and, and going that route instead. The recruiting process is very fun. I remember I, I had an awesome time talking to coaches and going on visits. It's, it's a blast, but and so you mentioned Coach Fields and and what he had to offer you uh, at Texas. Obviously, you guys improved greatly while you were at Texas. Had so much success. I know Pearson. You've mentioned in the past that that Coach Fields is kind of more of a of a hands off coach and just gives you guys kind of your own space to to get better, trusting you on your own time. How do you think while you were in college, coaches Coach Fields's uh, coaching style really worked for you? I think his style varies on players because I think Parker and Coach Fields had a different experience. And uh, for me, I I felt like I steadily got better through college. And uh, Coach is a – he's always kind of out there. He's always watching. And uh, so I think he just puts a lot of trust in his players that he knows we're progressing, we're doing the right things. And uh, as long as he's seeing that and our scores are, are confirming that – that he's a happy camper and just lets us do our own thing. But uh, there are times that he steps in to be a good coach, a good sounding board uh, for some guys. And it helps a lot of guys kind of get back on the right track. So I think coach Fields is again, the God, I think he's been a coach at Texas for 25, almost 30 years. Some, somewhere. 26 year. Yeah. So I, being a coach at Texas for 26 years, you, you certainly learn a lot and you've seen, he's now seen several major champions come through. So I think he's a pretty good eye and some good wisdom to share based on which player you're trying to coach at the time. Obviously coach Fields is, is a phenomenal coach. And um, something that you guys mentioned earlier was that um, that little mishap you had kind of at the, at the end of, of the winter um, or in the middle of the winter, between seasons your senior year of college funny thing Cole and I actually talked about it on the on the podcast I had him on in in February and he mentioned that two of uh you know the two Cootie brothers were out of the lineup and it was a big loss and we chatted a little bit about kind of about what went down you guys obviously like I mentioned have had so much success in college I mean Pearson immediately after we got to talk about this the you uh your first tournament back, you won the Augusta Haskins Award invite at Forest Hills. And also prior year, you won the George Hannon Collegiate. Uh, Parker, you won the Southern Highlands Collegiate in 2020. This earned you an exemption in the PGA Tour Shriners Hospital for Children's Open, where you made your PGA Tour debut. So a ton of collegiate success. But Pearson, can you explain to me kind of just that first tournament back after having to to rehab um your it, it was a wrist fracture is that right both of you guys it was a wrist fracture after uh 
a relay race in a post-workout? <laughs> it was actually our elbow. So okay. like our radial head that kind of like controls your hand moving and gripping. So it was a pretty, at the time, debilitating injury for if you'd had the podcast with Cole in February, I mean, we still would have been pretty immobile at the time and it happened first week in November. So it was, yeah, it was a pretty grueling process. So it happened the first week in November and I played my first event the first week of April. So whatever that is. Uh, so it was a pretty intense six months, but yeah, that tournament, the Augusta Haskins was really special. My granddad was in town for the masters. It's this, it's the week before the masters. So he came out and watched and it was just, it was just one of those events that everything went my way. I hit some bad shots that ended up tapping some loose iron shots that were pulled or pushed right onto the flag, uh, chipped in, made a few 30 footers. It was just like ridiculous. Just the absolute, I, you could call it the zone, but it was some of the luckiest best golf I've ever played. I was in a lot of pain. I was super sore, but I was playing well, so it just like just keep it going. And it, I, I was it's probably the best experience other than the national championship I have in college. Just the the reemergence of self belief and that like my career is not going to end because I essentially broke my arm. So all those emotions and everything were really hard to deal with playing, but it was a really positive experience. Obviously, what an incredible testament to just how good of a golfer that that you that you are that you both are that I mean because we all know that golf is more than just physical it's very it's very mental as well so you know that first tournament back there's there's no way that you were in the exact same physical state like you mentioned as you were before the injury so the fact that you were able to to come out with that win is is really telling yeah like there was there was severe physical limits I mean Prior, my ball speed was about just over 180, right at 180, and I could, I could barely get my ball speed to 170 to start that event. So it was, it was a pretty drastic. I mean, I was, it, yes, it was, it was very weird, it was very strange. Parker was fighting the same exact thing, and uh, it's just we're very happy, very blessed that things have turned out the way they are and things have healed up correctly. How about you, Parker? How would you kind of describe after that? Well, first, you know what, for, for the viewers, if you guys don't mind, why don't you maybe maybe tell the story of of what what happened that day after workouts? Oh, God. I, I preface <laughs> the story. If, like, it's as dumb as it sounds. I always preface it this way now. But, yeah, we, we were doing team relay races. Pierce and I are the anchors. And we, of course, just happened. Everyone goes, happened to be neck and neck coming down the stretch. And we work out at the bottom of our football stadium. There's a big Olympic gym. But track does stuff there as well. So there's a big track and there's padded walls on each side. And it's 50 yards down and back, like 50 yards down, 50 yards back, whatever. It's 100 yards. And so we're doing the race neck and neck. And, of course, we're, everyone had been kind of off the wall, like tagging each other. That makes sense. We're, so they're, whatever, six feet out or so. And, of course, we're neck and neck. And there's just nowhere to stop or tag. We're thinking this padded wall is going to take us in. And we both just – just run into the wall. I mean, again, it's as dumb as it sounds. And it's like a, the fracture doesn't happen in your wrist and stuff because like 
so much pressure goes up in your elbow and basically just pops in a certain spot. And so our refractor our radial head, it's what allows your hand to turn, like open and close. But yeah, that's unfortunately the story where from then on we were in a started rehab three days after that because if they put us in a, in a cast or then we would have been done for the season and we were, we were only in a sling for a few weeks, but we're supposed to be out of it as much as we can. Just so that way the atrophy wasn't as bad. I mean, truthfully, that was the most painful couple of weeks I've ever had that rehab and stuff. So don't want to do it again. How would you kind of describe um, that transition back? Uh, Pearson mentioned maybe even, you know, of being worried that your game wouldn't quite <clears throat> your game wouldn't quite be the same right so how would you how would you describe just that transition of getting to play again and um obviously you you've had some multiple successes since then so um at, at the start of it what was that really like yeah I mean my first tournament was actually Southern Highlands the tournament I had won my sophomore year because I I I was about a week or two ahead of Pearson, just whatever, my, the way things were healing. But I also had to play because I missed a couple of turns my junior year, really went through like, and I say I only missed a couple of turns, but went really through a bad driving spell in the fall, but fixed that. But long story short, I was, I was short on PJ Tour U. I had to, I had to play the rest of the season with already missing a couple of tournaments to meet the number to qualify for PJ Tour U. I think it's 18 events. In college, we only play like 19 or 20 events or 19 or 20 events in the two-year period anyway. So had to play those. And, yeah, I mean, I showed up to Vegas hitting it 20 yards shorter off the tee, wedges and everything. It was it was one heck of an experience, a lot more appreciation for the temperature and how everything affects. It was really cold. And, I mean, I, my waking up, in the, my elbow was just like incredibly stiff and – figuring all that stuff out but uh, yeah the transition was definitely tough but I was I, the next event like a week later shot 64 63 in the final round and it's like kind of the same realization Pearson is like all right things are all right things aren't completely over and then the following week I got my Canadian tour card through Q school playing really well in the last nine and so it the transition was tough at first but then things slowly came back and now now everything's good and Parker something that immediately caught my eye I remember when it happened seeing it all over social media because I just thought it was a crazy story but you actually had two hole-in-ones in the same round at your U.S. Open locals qualifying round I just I can't even fathom how unbelievable that is <laughs> how, tell me a little bit about that experience all right so the first one was perfect. There's like a 150 yards straight down when pigeon wedge lands a foot behind it spins. And I was like, great. I mean, well, okay, sorry. I jumped at that day, you know, Snapchat memories, right? Where it tells you whatever. So five years ago on that day, I had made, I was playing Lakewood and then Glen Eagles. So the day before the five years, sorry, this is kind of a lot, but if the five years before that, the day before I had made a hole one on my last hole that night. And then the next morning I made a hole one with Pearson and my dad's so like back to back par threes like that I played. And then, then so five years ago, I hadn't had a hole in one. And then the following, I guess five years ago, then I made that one on eight and 
was like, great. Like I haven't had one. What I felt like in a while. I know I, that sounds bad, but five years. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. Perfect time in competition. Great. And then I, we came, I came off 16. I just made a par. I knew I needed a birdie or two because I just made a bad par on a par five. And I had the seven iron went down off to the right with the back left pin hits perfectly like 10 feet short, right rolls in. I mean, it was one of the most bizarre experiences because the guys I was playing with, they had a great time with it. And then like I had rules officials on the next fairway coming up to me, like asking me if I really did that or, and like, guys, I got one more hole. I am still playing technically this tournament, but like afterwards, it was a ton of fun. All the guys, that I knew and even guys I didn't know everyone was having a great time with it but I really don't think I'll do it again I mean I hope I do but yeah the odds aren't in my favor <laughs> that's unbelievable you say you say I know it sounds bad but I haven't had one in a while <laughs> I know yeah well <clears throat> I think that makes up for it Parker I've I have had I mean that day that day you had two more hole ones than I've ever had in my entire life so I mean <sighs> <laughs> i'm like the only one on my team who still hasn't had one it's like every time i step up to a par three it's beyond in my head and you i mean when when this day comes again next year you're gonna be like oh well in the past two years on this particular day i have three hole in ones <laughs> i know <laughs> in this round, i was looking at the card it was like one one it's it's insane that's <laughs> i know it, it's really bizarre it's yeah, it, it's funny. There's a guy we play out here in Merida. His name's Cooper Dossie, and he hasn't had one. And every time we play, we step on a par three. He's always chirping me about it, but I'm always chirping him about it because he's never had a par three or made a whole one. And we played all in Canada this summer together, so it, we it's we have a good time with it. But yeah, it's funny. Gosh, I know I know better than to than to chirp you, and I've got no <laughs> just nothing to back that up. <laughs> I mean, tell it's me funny. what. I mean, do you, would you owe everybody in your group like two pairs of shoes? How does that even work? <laughs> I know. I mean, since it was tournament, it was weird. And I, I told the guys I'd buy them a beer afterwards, but they, they didn't want anything. They said they're all good. I mean, they were high-fiving me, and we were talking on the tee box and going down last hole, and they said they're all good. They just whatever enjoyed being out there and stuff. I was like, this is, for me personally, the best experience. I didn't have to buy any shoes or anything or drinks. I just – Whatever, made the hole once and moved on. No shoes, no drinks. <laughs> then you, you you really lucked out here. <laughs> I know, it was the best. The best it could have turned out for me. <laughs> wow. Well, that's such a cool story amongst many, many cool stories um, with, with you two. Uh, one of them, especially being Pearson, you mentioned it a little bit, um, a national championship. You mentioned kind of that, that win uh, – at Forest Hills compared to that, uh, that national championship experience. Um, I, you guys both let helped to lead Texas to a fourth, their Texas's fourth national championship. Parker, you also, you tied for the individual stroke play win, finished runner up. You guys both won your final matches against Arizona state. I mean, everybody knew that between the two of you and Cole Hammer also, um, you guys were kind of the team that everyone was gunning for. And the fact that you guys were kind of out too for half of that season, it was it was just the craziest story. How did it feel to ultimately 
just get it done and call yourselves national champs. I remember watching it live when it was going on too. And I was pulling for you guys. It was, it was a blast. How, how did it really feel? It was, I mean, it was just the craziest week. It's, it's, it sounds redundant, but national championship week, the amount of time you're there, it's just some days feel slow. Some days feel like a blur and the later into the week you get, it just, it just goes faster and faster. And, uh, the first three rounds, we were really struggling. I mean, I think we were right on the cusp of maybe in seventh or seventh place or sixth place. So we weren't sitting really comfortable, uh, for that match play. And the top teams had a big lead, uh, and coach fields and our assistant JP will tell you this, that our, our final round was one of the best rounds that they they ever coached we I, I can't remember what we shot maybe five or six under but we we beat the field by double digits that day and just and flew up the leaderboard to maybe third place or so or fourth place and really just put ourselves in a nice position that our coaches had a little bit of leeway uh with with picks and uh for match play setup and once we got to match play it just it became so effortless and just Every every guy just took care of their business. Every guy on the team went two and one, which I don't know if there's ever been. I mean, there's not that much match play history yet, but every guy on the team going two and one is pretty bizarre. Everyone carrying equal weight. Uh, and it's just – it's crazy how everything worked out and how much trust we had in each other. I mean, we all grew up playing together in Texas. We all have spent just so much time together. It's just an unbelievable amount of trust. It really wasn't – this huge like aha moment that like we can do this i think once we got to match play everyone on the team knew what we were capable of and we just we just kept going and when travis's final tap in par on 18 went in it was just a light bulb moment of it actually happened and i, I think everyone's seen the emotion of him running around us running on the green uh has been played a hundred times on golf channel i've just seen it all the time now how about you, Parker? How would you describe that feeling? Yeah, it was – I luckily that last day I played well and I, I ended early. And I just remember for the next hour and a half just watching everybody. You can't do anything. Like, you've done your part. You can't do anything. You're just standing there. I'll never forget afterwards, finish my match, and Nota Begay was walking me that day. He's like, it's like, how are we doing? Because it was quiet. There were a lot of ASU fans out there. It was kind of quiet, which was – great for us i'm like okay we got to be doing decent at least and yeah. no she's like oh y'all are sitting great like mason was two up Travis was two or three up pearson was a couple up and cole was about to lose his match but like the team was playing good and i'm like this is awesome i mean just a few more holes this is over with i thought it'd be over in the next 30 minutes or so and before i know it like we're running down 18 and travis was only one up but i mean it, yeah the, the amount of trust everyone had in each other and just be able to get it done because the freshman year, we lost to Stanford in the final after beating, I mean, I think arguably, arguably one of the best college teams ever with, at Oklahoma State. And yep. just sort of what Hovland, Ventura, uh, Boshu, Eckroat, and Wolf. I mean, that all guys who have had tour stats or corn face stats and winners on tour, all that fun stuff. So it's, it's just a whirlwind of emotions to finally get it done because. COVID clipped a year and then we played all for our junior. Just a lot of things happened and 
yeah, to finally get it done in our last chance was nothing but just a great feeling and really glad we got it done. So you won six and five that day, and then pretty much your, your teammates were all one or two up. So it sounds like w- once you finished, you were just like, awesome. Now I just get to watch watch us win. <laughs> like it was just I, no- trust me, I I think I'd rather have been playing it. I mean, a feeling of, it, it, you're not helpless, like don't get me wrong. Helpless isn't the right word, but you can't do anything because you can't go inside the ropes and help coach. I'm obviously the only of the coaches you can go in. Like once your match is over, you're done. You're just a you become a spectator and you're just trying to be everyone's biggest cheerleader but without like oh, trying to not get in their face or anything, but like without trying to overstate the moment or like hype them up too much, if that makes sense. Just trying to like one hole at a time, keep going, keep going till it's over. So that's so it's so funny you mention it isn't it hilarious how like as a player you're not used to like watching it's on a golf right we're used to playing and as soon as you're in a position where you're like watching your team or it's like it's so it's weird it's like almost more nerve-wracking watching people than it is playing because you like you said you're like so helpless you can't do anything to help like whenever I watch my teammates I'm like oh my gosh it's like so nerve-wracking watching you (laughs) I know. I mean, Pierce and I, luckily, we, we've been doing it for so long with junior tournaments, and one of us plays well in even high school golf. We've, we were fortunate to win a state championship and stuff, and but we've had that feeling a little bit, but I mean, obviously, national championship, something different to be a part of it, Texas. I mean, it just unbelievably, I mean, I guess helpless is the right word, but yeah, nothing you can do. You've done your part, and you just sit there. It's so fun to hear about just both of your stories and in that day, uh, that week really. It's like you mentioned, it's a really long week at the at the national championship. So um how awesome that that you guys ended up coming out on top. You mentioned Parker uh walking you can't walk inside the ropes and and help out someone who has walked inside of the ropes with you both, um, being on your bag for um PGA tour events for both of you is uh, your father, Kyle Cootie. Um, your father was the one who started the Texas golf legacy and his father, Charles Cootie, like I mentioned, was a master's champ, eight time PGA tour winner. He was on the Ryder cup team. Um, I mean, you guys are really a part of a golf legacy. Uh, it's really cool reading about how you boys, you first caddied for, for your grandpa when, um, you, when you were just six years old at the master's par three tournament, do you guys remember that experience like vividly? Yeah. One of the, we re- remember it in a good way, but also in a, uh, it's not a bad way is the wrong way, but we, I'll never forget on three Pierce and I were in the cooler digging for get power aids. They have power aids out there. My granddad playing the par three contest and, he makes a hole in one, and we totally missed it. The crowd's going nuts and everything. But Pierce and I were really trying to dig for red Gatorades in the cooler, and we had his clubs and little white jumpsuits and stuff, and totally missed all of it. And we just turned around. I don't know why. I think we both remember this so vividly because it's just like such an aha moment. Like, what are we doing? Like, now I turn – looking back, I'm like, why was I not standing there, like, watching every shot and stuff when I was more worried about his power rate? But, no, that – I mean – that was kind of the, I guess, aha moment. And then as we got older, we got to putt on the putting greens during the par three contest, which that was, I'll never forget that stuff. But yeah, our granddad's definitely treated us to something we're very privileged to be a part of. 
Do you, do you remember the same Pearson? You were just so upset wanting to get that red Powerade. <laughs> it's one of the big memories of my childhood of like literally like head deep in a cooler, just digging <laughs> for the Powerade. And this lady like, like essentially like yells at us like, your granddad just made a hole in one. And we both like pop out of the cooler like, and like we turn around and he's like high five and everyone. He looks at us and he like asks, he's like, boys where's my ball and we're like uh we don't know like we're the caddy i guess we're supposed to know and he's like well i made it so don't worry kind of thing and oh. it was oh my gosh it was t- it, it was like red face the whole way in the, the last six holes just so embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you were only you were only six right so i know you gotta cut yourself a little slack <laughs> You're only six, but there's that many people around. You really don't – you don't understand the positive or the negative. You're just, like – you just feel embarrassed, and that embarrassment doesn't go away. But at the same time, it, it, he's still – he's always just been our granddad. So, like, those moments that he put us into, we were just comfortable with because we were with our granddad. So, it was a fine line of, like, trying to understand where we, we actually were versus, like, just having fun as kids. Right. That's so true. I mean, gosh – you, you can't really quite understand like the the magnitude or of a of a situation when you're that young but I'm sure the older you get to the even the more you're just like geez I wish I would have saw that <laughs> yeah <laughs> he the so in our family my granddad has 24 hole-in-ones my dad has eight or yeah, nine. he has eight. He has he eight because I'm one behind them. It's seven. I got seven. I have two. So I'm on the bottom of the totem pole. But to, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm stacking. But to the point of that, that's not the only hole in one my granddad has made in front of us. He has a course in Adelaide, Texas, Diamondback. Uh, and it was like a 250 yard par three in the pins back lots. And in Adelaide, it's just, it's crazy windy all the time just blowing 20 plus and it's a really kind of tricky part three it's a big tier in the middle of the green and he's he's getting older we were maybe about 10 or 12 something like that probably about 10 and uh we're starting to think we're decent in golf and we're so we're all playing the same tees and he he said if i make this i whatever i get to choose dinner for the night and he hits it and he goes that's going in like before the ball lands on the ground and we're not tall enough to see over the brush so like we get in the car and we like we drive up to the green and he's like and he doesn't get out of the car like and we have our wedge and putter obviously miss the green and we're gonna go try and make par and stuff (laughs) obviously miss the green (laughs) (laughs) just let me know when you find my ball and we're like running around the green and after maybe five minutes go by he's like why don't you just look in the hole and sure enough his ball was there so the way you said it though he knew it was in the hole he was just letting us play around the green look for it and stuff it was unreal so i i haven't i haven't missed out on he he redeemed himself with the call hole in one with a three wood so he doesn't let us live it down that's so classic oh my gosh the three wood too that's amazing brutal and all he wanted was to pick dinner That's the kind of do. That's the kind of thing I do when I'm like trying to save par from five feet. Like, oh, if I make this, <laughs> if I make this, I need to pick dinner. <laughs> yeah. I think he was tired of taking us to Gaddy's Town. 
for that was that was the hot spot in Abilene, Texas for us. So I think he was tired of that for like three nights in a row. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my gosh. You know, it's it's awesome that you guys have such fond memories with your granddad. You know, you're actually so you're not the first legacy that I've had here on five clubs. I talked a lot with um Rachel Keen, actually. She plays for Wake Forest. She's a phenomenal player, as you know, one of the one of the best female AMs in the world. And um she actually her mother, Brenda Corey Keen, was an incredible golfer, had an awesome LPGA tour career. She played in 40 USGA events. Um same similar thing. She played like led her team to a Curtis Cup win, uh, all all sorts of things. But um, you know, something that I said to Rachel was like, I'm sure that you get these like you hear about your mom a lot, right? And she's like, Yeah, I do. And uh, and then I kind of asked her, you know, how do you how does that make you feel getting asked about your mom all the time, pretty much probably in most every interview that you do? And it was kind of funny. She said, She's like, I would just kind of answer the questions like for years before I finally admitted that at the time, at, at, at times it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It rubbed her the wrong way. She said like, she felt like she was getting compared to her mom at times. And do you guys, I, I mean, I've got to ask, is that something that you guys can relate to? Just, I'm sure every single interview that you do, you always get asked about, about your granddad, about your dad, you know, is that something that, that you can kind of relate to Rachel relate to Rachel on I think everyone might have their own opinion kind of about how they feel about it my I'm I know Rachel's mom has been very very supportive of her golf and I I completely understand how at times it can be different and be I don't want to say a struggle but like hard to build your own golf identity because like you said Rachel's doing so many great things I played some Palmer Cups with her and Mm -hmm. uh and that might have been a little tougher for our dad to kind of build his own golf identity. And I think that's a big reason why he went to Texas instead of going to TCU to follow my granddad and whatnot. But for us, we've had a very nice separation of we don't live in the same city I and mean, we're three hours apart, but we both live in Texas. We went to Texas, not TCU. I think there's been a very, very nice separation and, uh, but again, I like, I like the comparison because everything he's done in golf, I want to achieve. So yeah. I, I remembering what I'm striving for is not really a negative. It's, it's almost a positive and uh, I couldn't be more proud of what he's done. And I hope to accomplish that and uh, even surpass what he's done. But his legacy is something I always cherish. Would you say that you feel that way, that way too, Parker? The only thing I would add to that is like we technically know no different, if that makes sense. We grew up with it. I don't know what life would be out like without that, without that, I guess, golf legacy or that just around us. So, and I, w- I wouldn't want it any other way. You know, our granddad's been able to show us a lot of great things and dad as well. So, it's, it's, it's truly a blessing, like having all that stuff and having access to it because I know there are a lot of people who would love to have it as well and we're we're just very fortunate to have that in our lives hey i mean let me tell you i, I don't have any uh I don't have any golfers in my family i'm the only one in my family who even really plays i mean my my grandpa played my dad played but um they're happy to they're happy to break 90 so <laughs> it's a little different experience so <laughs> 
let's talk about what's going on with you guys right now. I've mentioned you had, you both had phenomenal amateur careers. Pearson, at one point you were uh, ranked number one on Wagger, number one uh, world amateur in the world. Um, you had a, a Western amateur win that was big time. Uh, Parker, like I mentioned, you made that PGA Tour debut early on in your college career. Both just really, really phenomenal athletes. I could go on and on, but um, so let's talk about what's, like I said, what's going on right now. You've already both got some wins as professionals. Uh, Pearson, you won your first Corn Ferry event um, after you finished first in PGA Tour University at the end of this past year. Um, you were able to get that Corn Ferry status and um, you won back at the uh, Live and Work in Maine Open in June. Uh, Parker, also you won twice. You won by eight strokes at the Manitoba Open, PGA Tour Canada eight like just blew blew it out of the water and then also won the professional division of the tailor-made pebble beach invitational so i mean how is the the transition you guys obviously it hasn't been too hard huh but the transition from college golf to professional golf it's very very different how would you say that that transition has been it's funny like college your time is so structured i mean classes lunch every little detail i feel like you have to have the regiment timed out to be able to accomplish what you want on the golf course, if that makes sense. But once you turn pro, I mean, other than the weeks you're traveling and stuff, that's busy. But at home, you're making your own decisions on your time, training, recovery, all that stuff. And I think we both have found pretty good systems that work for us. And luckily, it's been able to transition into professional golf, where right now, at least, things couldn't be going better as far as just kind of going up the stepping stones to hopefully get our PJ tour cards this year through the corn fairies. How about you, um, Pearson? How, how would you say, would you say it's been pretty seamless now? Like just being able to practice play on your own time, make your own schedule or wow. How do you think what's been the biggest difference? I, I completely agree with Parker. It's been, it's been really nice. The summer went by crazy fast. It was, I mean, it was just great. Like you just play golf. You go to the next event, you play, I say it's great. It's great when you play well. When you miss the cut, it's really frustrating. It's it's a different experience. It's it's weird because if you're not playing well, maybe the first 27 holes, and you're like, oh wow, I I actually need to play really well in this bag nine to even stay here another couple of days to to make a paycheck. So it's it's a different experience. It's at times a different mindset, but good golf is good golf and. Like you said, I was very happy to win my third Corn Ferry event. It gave me full status uh, and almost got a PJ Tour card. But uh, I ended up having to withdraw from Corn Ferry finals. I had hand surgery. So it's been – I'm back in the rehab process like I was last winter. So it's been a – it's been different, but I'm I'm happy to start on the Corn Ferry in January again. How's, how's your recovery been then, Pearson? Everything, you know – it's good. I had, uh, I had that same hand, uh, handmade surgery, uh, the bone removed in my left hand. And that was, oh gosh, I did that maybe 11 weeks ago. Uh, but I've been playing golf the last few weeks and I'll be completely healthy by the start of the corn fairy. So hopefully I would love just to play a full year of healthy golf. Uh, I'm going to wrap things up here with you guys. What we do here on five clubs is we finish each episode with a five clubs, five questions. So I've got five, five questions for, for you both. 
So number one, Pearson, what is your favorite thing about Parker's game? His wedge game, he his he clips it really nice, and I, I wish I had a little bit more finesse with the wedges. <laughs> so is that like in a like in a thirty to sixty yards, or like around the greens? You say I mean, yeah, so that, probably I would call it like thirty to one hundred twenty yards, like. His ball play is just a little bit cleaner than mine. His contact's a little bit cleaner. And it's just – I just I just need a little bit more of that in my game. All right, so the wedge game is money bags. Parker, what's your, <laughs> what's your favorite thing about Pearson's I'd, game? I'd probably say his his best part is driving. I mean, he drives it really well. I would I, mean, I would go to far as far to say – I've obviously grown it, watched it, but I think it's one of the best drivers in the world. and continues to do it so I, I definitely his bread and butter day in day out Oof, is it the distance or, or the accuracy just kind of the combo where it you know it's gonna be like a five or ten yard fade every time it's gonna carry just over 300 yards I mean and yeah the, just the dispersion with distance is pretty tight so okay so so the big dog is automatic <laughs> <laughs> yes between the two of you I'll ask you first Parker between the two of you what is your biggest difference? Oh gosh, I don't know if anyone's ever asked us this. Pearson, if you have something, go for it. I'm trying to think. <laughs> biggest difference. I mean, I would probably honestly probably say our driving. Like I've become a better driver of the ball for sure. But if I struggle, that's kind of where I struggle on the golf course. It doesn't have to be golf related either. Just in general, yeah, the biggest difference between you two. If it's golf related, well, that's cool too. But <laughs> I know. Trust me, I'm, I'm actually really trying to think right now. I'd, it's so hard because we're such good friends, having so many of the same friends. Oh, gosh. Biggest difference. This is a clever question. Jeez. I've always been like five pounds heavier. If that counts. <laughs> I mean, I'm really throwing things out right now. <laughs> we're both on the pickleball grind, both on the Call of Duty grind, same friends, all that stuff. Yeah, gosh. Wait a second. Oh, you Pierce. Mean- you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me that you guys are that similar, that the biggest difference is that one of you is five pounds. <laughs> you ask our friends to, oh, uh, maybe our girlfriends might have a really good response for you, but that's yeah. about it. Because usually what happens is like Pearson goes to the gym or whatever, vice versa. Like we're always trying to one up each other. So we're always doing it together or separate, but we're always doing the same things so if that makes sense. We'll chalk it up with the five pounds, okay? All right, there we go. Sounds good. Or the or the five yard fade, Parker. Do you like to hit draws? <laughs> I've been hitting a little draw now. Yeah, we can go with that. Pearson fades it all. Been hitting a little draw, so I like that's I, probably a good one. Yeah, I love to hit draws with the driver. I would hit. I would hit cuts. Like I feel like I have a two way miss when I hit a cut, but that's just yeah. like the toe ball sneaks up on you with the cut. Much I heal it. I can't stand the toe. Oh. All right, number three. Pearson, I'll ask you this one first. If you could describe your twin using only one word, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> These are so specific. Uh, do you have one? I was like maybe like fiery. I don't I we've, we've talked about like how competitive we are. I would say, but Pearson gets pretty heated on the golf course too, so. Not heat in a bad way, not like throwing clubs or anything, but like internally he gets pretty mad and talks to himself. But I would yeah. say fiery because I mean he's also a 
that way and kind of all things when we compete. I keep saying pickleball, but video games or bat, like pick up basketball games, all that fun stuff. So I, I would say fiery is probably if that came to mind. That's a good one. Hey, all, all good, all good golfers got a little fire in them for sure. How about you, Pearson? He can be a stickler at times. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> <laughs> sound like a sound like an eight year old with that one. He can just get stuck in those ways. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Got it. All right. Number four. So like I've mentioned, I wish we could talk about all of them because I'm sure that there are some pretty cool stories, but you guys have just played in a multitude of awesome events, professional, amateur, in college. We're talking Walker Cups, tour events. You've had college wins. You're national champs at Greyhawk. You, I mean, Pearson, you played in the U.S. Open. Like both of you, you got to give me what is your favorite event that you've ever played in? Oh, uh, if you if you take out the national championship as like the holy grail, I would I would say the Walker Cup. It's just it's just a crazy experience. Having a Seminole was unbelievable. Uh, and then the U.S. winning the way we did, uh, it's just so cool. It it's something that I dreamed out for so long, and to qualify for that team and win and all just all the things combined uh i i couldn't have dreamt of a i couldn't have imagined it being that as big of a deal as it was and that was probably my best amateur experience cole actually said i think he said the same thing i asked him a similar question or uh, you know i talked about the walker cup at seminole and he was like that was the coolest thing i've ever done <laughs> yeah it's it's just a it's one of those things when you're meeting president bush and things like that it's just an ongoing of jaw-dropping moments how about you, Parker? Favorite event you've ever played in? Unfortunately, I didn't make the War Cup team and excluding the national championship. I think pers- that one's like pretty obvious, but there's a tournament, the Junior Byron Nelson. Like that is by far the most fun. Like friends catting, a bunch of like guys we play college golf with now stuff. That's the most fun I'll have in a golf tournament, no doubt. And that was the last junior tournament before we went to Texas and I mean, I know guys like Scotty and Jordan, they all won it in high school growing up and stuff. And it's a great tournament that obviously pays tribute to Byron Nelson and stuff. It, Yeah, I think that's the most fun tournament I've ever played and have a lot of good memories from that. Final question. What is the ultimate – what's the ultimate goal for for you both? Is it is it a Masters? Is it something else? What is What is the ultimate tangible goal, would you say? I think, I mean, went on the PGA Tour and, yeah, went the Masters. Just with 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 our granddad and all that, we've been, I mean, our Masters experience is more than spoiled, to say the least. But be able to do that would be something incredible. I don't know if any family members have technically won the Masters, but if we could somehow do that, that by, for me personally, I think Pearson agreed too, but I think that would be the pinnacle or at least something we're really trying to work toward. I mean, I could only imagine that feeling compared to the national championship. It something else for sure. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the, the goal is get to the PGA Tour, win on the PGA Tour, qualify for the Masters, and then at some point win the Masters. It would be, it would be everything I've dreamed of, and then everything after that would just be an absolute bonus. Uh, that's... 
I just would, I couldn't imagine a better experience, a better life experience. It would be amazing. Your granddad won the Masters in 1971. He beat Jack Nicholas. Just unbelievable, unbelievable story. You know, it's funny. It was, it was just announced uh, last week that, um, that members of the Live Tour could play in the Masters. It was kind of a, a big announcement you know it's to my understanding uh Pearson that you actually had an offer from the from the live tour that you decided to turn down um can you uh maybe maybe touch on just a little bit why you decided to to forego um the the live tour route and go instead with the PGA tour yeah I I did have an offer from live uh, coming out of college and that was before I played any corn fairy events and whatnot. And, uh, it was, it was a tough decision. I, it was it, at the time, it seemed like a great opportunity, but, uh, looking at where I am now and the opportunity to get a PGA tour card and earn my way to the PGA tour is what I've always dream, uh, dreamed about. And I think I believe myself to accomplish that. And all I've ever wanted to do is play on the PGA tour. That's been my dream for as long as I can remember. And I, I haven't played golf just purely for the money. So I'm, I'm very excited to get my PGA tour card. However I do that. And I can accept whether I do or do not accomplish that goal. So I, I just kind of wanted to stay true to what I've always envisioned myself doing. Well, I've got full faith in both of you that you will, that you will both achieve that. So I mean, thank you guys so much for for joining me today. I also, it's my understanding you've got a birthday coming up just next week. You did some serious research. <laughs> you guys are turning. You guys are turning twenty three next week. You got any big birthday plans? Any any fun ways to celebrate? We'll probably just go to a steakhouse, and my girlfriend just got a puppy, so my parents might watch the puppy or. We'll just put the puppy in a crate. I don't know. We're going to have to feed. That's the only little nuance we're going to have to figure out is what to do with the nine-week-old puppy. Apparently, you can't leave them for more than like two hours at a time until they're X amount of months old. I don't know. But no big plans yet other than just probably a decent dinner. Same thing, Parker? Yeah, I mean, I think we're having a bunch of people come over for New Year. So I think we'll probably do the same thing. Honestly, have that same group come on over for our birthday. It'll It'll be fun. I mean, something easy, low key. I mean, we leave three days after that for our first corn fairy event. So mm-hmm. can't go too crazy. Yeah, right. 23. You guys are getting old anyway. Who celebrates? I know. It sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today on Five Clubs. It's really been a blast chatting with you both. Thank you. Thanks all. for having us. No, this, yeah, this is great. Thank you so much, Parker and Pearson Cootie, for joining me today on Five Clubs. We wish them the best of luck in their upcoming season. And thank you, viewers, for tuning in here today on Five Clubs. We wish you a happy new year, and I will talk to you guys again in 2023.